Hello everyone, editing Caitlin here. I'm just jumping in at the beginning of the episode to let you know that there was a bit of a mess up with Rachel's audio this week. Um, in most parts it shouldn't be too obvious, but there is uh, one part where I come in and just sort of sum up what she said there and a couple bits where she had to re-record what she said. So just letting you know that if there's anything weird and awkward, that's why. And now here we are into the episode. You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. Simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now don't be hasty, Master Miriadok. Is this new definitely? All right. Hello and welcome to uh, So You Want to Read Tolkien. This week, discussing Book Three, Chapter Six. The King of the Golden Hall. I'm Caitlin. And why is it still summer? Why isn't it over yet? I hate everything. It's so bright out. I want it to be done. I'm Rachel, and I hung out on a boat this weekend because I love summer, and it's amazing, and I never want it to end. And also, this is why Caitlin hates me. <laughs> I mean, it's not the only reason. <laughs> why choose just one reason? I'm Emmy, and I spent my weekend picking fruits and vegetables out of my garden because it's summer, and that means I can grow things. I feel very ganged up upon, but listen. I mean, you're Canadian. You knew that already. And your summer is different than our summer. It is? I think so. I mean, if anything, it's less summer where I am. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, your weather is very different than what we experience. So, but Caitlin would hate our summer even yeah, worse. Yeah, I would hate it even she, more is what I'm saying. Like, this is, it's, uh, mm -hmm, I can't talk temperature with you people. No. Because <laughs> we don't uh, understand each other. Maybe if you'd grown other. up with it, I know how to it do would maths. be different. Oh, no, I did. That's the problem. I grew up in Toronto where it was a thousand times worse, and I wanted to be dead. That's so many degrees latitude further north than us. Anyway, nope, we're moving on. Uh, Toronto is actually mostly just east of us. Oh, and it's hot and humid there, and I wanted to be a dead person. Anyway, we're, this is not a podcast of how well we know geography. <laughs> and weather. Which is not well, apparently. Uh, yeah, so uh, I wanted to do a quick update with some Patreon stuff because we have the first of, not in real time, by the time I put this up, we have the first of our series of bonus interview episodes that we are doing with other nerds on the internet. Uh, just talking to them about their history with Lord of the Rings. And I talked with uh, my friend Matthew from the Eloquent Gushing, Elo oh my God, words, Eloquent Gushing Podcast Network. And it was very difficult for us not to just go on for like an hour about Lord of the Rings. So yeah, that is up on Patreon. And if you want to give it a listen, you can by becoming a patron. And another thing that I wanted to discuss that the three of us have discussed previously is that we have our like official goal on Patreon of 100 patrons, but we thought as sort of an unofficial one that we wanted to do ourselves was if we got to 50 patrons, we would donate some money. We haven't decided how much every month towards a charity of our and our patrons choice. And we would take everybody's opinions into account and, you know, come together to do a nice thing. Or some people. Yeah. So give us money so we can give other people money. 
<laughs> Very eloquent. Um, <laughs> but I was inspired by this by another podcast that I listened to called Potterless. And I thought it was just a good thing that we could all come together as a community to do. And I encourage any of my other podcasting friends to do something similar because I think it's a really good idea and feels good. Yeah. In all seriousness, let's put some good out in the world. Yeah. I don't I don't know that we'll ever get to 50 patrons because we have three amazing patrons right now and they're very awesome, but it is a very far away from 50. But if we get there, then we'll get to do some good stuff. Tell your friends. And now let's uh, move on into the more fun Lord of the Rings stuff. I'm doing the long summary, so you guys choose. I'll do the characters. Um, today we've got a reasonably long list. We have Gandalf, uh, the White Rider, also known by a number of monikers in this chapter, like Stormcrow, Lathspell, and Ill News. We have Aragorn, our heir of Elendil. We've got Gimli, our dwarf. Legolas, our favorite elf. We've got Theoden, um, the king of Rohan. We've got Hama, who is a door warden at Meduseld, um, which is the, the Golden Hall. And he swiftly becomes demoted to Aaron Boy. Then there's Grima Wormtongue, who's just a sleazeball. And then we end up with Eomer, Theoden's sister son, aka nephew, who's soon to be named his heir. And Eowyn, Theoden's sister daughter, aka niece, who soon becomes the steward of Rohan. So I listed out Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas that way because that's how Gandalf gives their names. He's like, here's Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Elendil's there, blah, 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 blah. And here's Gimli, a dwarf, and Legolas, an elf. <laughs> and I, So <laughs> underwhelming. I thought it was oh, hilarious. Gandalf. Gandalf really plays favorites. Yeah. Yep. He's not even pretending. Just, just a bit. So, yeah, short version of what happens in this chapter. Uh, half the company arrives in Adoras, which, hey, we're at, like, half again. I guess half of the surviving members, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boromir is everywhere in spirit. Half the company arrives in Adoras, the capital of Rohan, where they discuss the laws of hospitality, and Gandalf launches a coup with magic and song. That is yep. better than my short summary. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know. I like the exorcism mention in yours. I didn't write that. Was that was me. <laughs> Caitlin had just left with the hunters and Gandalf okay, arrive in Edoras, and then everyone leaves Edoras. And this I decided to add, also, there's an exorcism. It well, was kind of important. True. Look, I was, it was originally going to be... That was the main point of the chapter. It happened about a third of the way in, and then the rest of it was talking. <laughs> it was originally going to be the hunters and Gandalf arrive in Edoras and fuck shit up, but... We, That's good too. We can we can get there when we or we can talk about it when we get there. But I just don't understand where are they going when they leave Edoras at the end. Like Theoden <laughs> comes to his senses and they're all like to battle. I'm like nobody discussed anything. Where are you going? What are you doing? Whatever. We'll, we can discuss this later <laughs> when we get there. So the long summary: the group of four of. Gandalf and the elf and the dwarf and the heir of Elendil ride hard across Rohan towards Edoras. Gimli almost falls asleep while riding with Gandalf and, and Gandalf has to like catch him. And I just, I thought that was hilarious. So I wanted to bring it up. Uh, eventually they come in sight of where the grasslands meet the mountains and can see a lone hill out in front of the rest. Even though both Gandalf and Aragorn have been there before, Gandalf asks Legolas to describe what he sees. Because why have an elf if you're not going to use it? I mean, uh, that's all he's good for is just being called the elf, so. <laughs> Michael describes that he sees houses and walls on the hill and a great hall of men that looks like it is thatched with gold. There are guards outside, but everyone else still appears to be asleep. Uh, Gandalf says this is Edoras and the Golden Hall is called Meduseld and that the Rohirrim, the Horse Lords, do not sleep even if it seems so from afar. Draw no weapon, speak no haughty word until we are come before Theoden's seat. And I can't help but feel that this was pointed mostly at Gimli, but only because he and Eomer have a history. As they I mean, approach, really all of them are pretty culpable at this point. <laughs> None I of think them can keep their mouths shut. 
I think Aragorn, well, Aragorn proves that to be incorrect in this chapter, <laughs> actually. <laughs> As they approach Eros, Gandalf comments on the white flowers growing around them, and these are called Simbomuna. I think I pronounced that right, but I'm remembering it from the movie, so who knows. And grow... They And they grow where dead men rest, and this is specifically where the former kings of Rohan are buried. So, you know, it's a good time. This causes Aragorn to point out that there are 16 mounds of dead people and many long lives of men since the Golden Hall was built. Legolas decides he must respond with a sort of power move, saying in the most flowery language ever that... Even though it's been 500 years, this is but of a blink of an eye to him. Oh, elf. Yeah. But he doesn't even say it's like 500 times the red leaves have fallen in whatever forest he's from. Markwood? Markwood, thank the, you. The greenwood. Yeah, the greenwood, whatever. <laughs> How many woods are there? And it's like, dude, just say it's been 500 years. Uh, Aragorn says this is long for the people of Rohan and that they call this place their home now and their speech has been sundered from their northern kin. Uh, And then he recites a poem in the language of Rohan, which he then immediately translates. As you do. I didn't have my book ready because I'm a dummy. Where now the horse and the rider? Where is the horn that was blowing? Where is the helm and the hauberk and the bright hair flowing? Where is the hand on the harp string and the red fire glowing? Where is the spring and the harvest and the tall corn growing? They have passed like rain on the mountain, like a wind in the meadow. The days have gone down in the west behind the hills into shadow. Who shall gather the smoke of the dead wood burning, or behold the flowing years from the sea returning? And I wanted to read that whole thing because that's actually my favorite poem by one J.R.R. Tolkien. It's such a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I I do also like Bilbo's favorite. Sorry, which one is yours? Um, the I'm, now I'm in my book. I'm like, which page was it? What was the line exactly? Um, they've passed like rain on the mountain. That's like they've passed oh. like rain on the mountain, like a wind in the meadow. It's good. So good. So good. Every so often he makes really good words, and then every so often it's just like here's five pages that we can skip. Yep. Yep. Uh, Also unnecessary pining. Yes. Why? During this depressing discussion of Rohan dying, I guess, while they passed graves of dead kings, they reach the gates of Edoras. They are greeted by guards who talk in the language of Rohan. Gandalf responds to them in kind, but asks why they do not speak the common tongue to travelers, as is the custom in the West. The guards say that the king does not wish any who do not know their language to be allowed into Edoras. Okay, so here's the whole thing. It is the will of Theoden King that none should enter his gates, save those who know our tongue and are our friends, replied one of the guards. None are welcome here in days of war but our own fo- but our own folk and those that come from Mundberg in the land of Gondor. And I wanted to point this out because I think this is weird. I don't know. They're like, you have to speak our own special language to be allowed in or be from Mundberg, which is what they call <laughs> Minas Tirith. So if you show up from Minas Tirith, that's fine. But otherwise, you have to speak our language. And like Minas Tirith is a good sized city. Yeah. How are you supposed to prove that? Like, like do you have to go? What if they speak a different language? And mm-hmm. like, what? Like, Minas Tirith doesn't speak the language that Rohan speaks. So, no, but like, what if they immigrated to Minas Tirith and they don't speak that language, but Minas Tirith let them in? So now they're from Minas Tirith and they come to Rohan, and Rohan's like, mm, nah. But like, how do you prove you're from Minas Tirith? Do you have a specific postal code? Do you. <laughs> If you live, like, just outside the walls of Minas Tirith, do you walk up and they're like, nope, nope, you missed it by 10 feet. The yeah. xenophobia you just know. is just, ugh. But also, like, it, okay, seriously, yes, it is, ugh. But also, it's just weird. Like, it that just seems, like, I, I know Theoden grew up in Minas Tirith, so I can understand why he would say, yeah, Minas Tirith is cool, but it just seems like a difficult rule to implement. Just a bit. Yeah, I think the point is probably just to keep out only the people they want to keep out. 
I think also the point is that Grima Wormtongue isn't a master strategist. Well, there's that too, but he is presumably taking his directions from Saruman, who is presumably smarter, but maybe not. Yeah, also debatable. So yeah. The guards demand to know why who mm, mm, mm. The guards mm-hmm. demand to know who they all are as they've been watching them ride up and find it strange that it that they appear to be riding one of the mares as well as horses that look to be from Rohan. Aragorn is immediately like, of course they're your horses. Hasn't Aramur told you we'd be coming? Like, we made plans to come here. <laughs> we had a date. Yes, exactly. Uh, the guards look troubled and say that they have heard nothing from Aramur, but Wormtongue told them two days ago to not let any strangers in. Uh, Gandalf says they are not here to see Wormtongue, but to see the king. And he gives their names to the guards and tells them to let the king know they are there and that he has brought Shadowfax back. I really enjoy that, like... That's an underhanded line. Yep. Like, Shadowfax is this contention between them, and Gandalf keeps, like, quote-unquote, bringing him back. But not really. Yeah, no, not really at all. My favorite thing about this exchange is that, like, one of the most, like, epic Legolas lines they give him in the movie of, like, him being like, I recognize this thing with my great eyesight is, like, this random guard person. Oh, the, like, um, right, that is one of the marrows. <laughs> unless, unless my eyes my are cheated, eyes are by, cheated some by some spell. Yeah. Like, it's just this random guard outside of Adoras. And no, in the movie, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah, in the movie, it's epic. Here, it's just like, oh, man. Yeah, totally different oh. context. It's great. Like, this is an epic line in a non-epic situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the sliced and diced. One of the guards disappears for a while and then comes back saying they're allowed in, but that any weapon they carry must be left with the door wardens. So they make their way up the hill. All the houses they pass are wood and all the people they pass are blonde. So it's (laughs) Sweden. Yep. Once they reach Metacell, they meet the door warden Hama, who... Hama? Hama? I was saying... I don't think I've ever said that out loud before. I don't like it. Hama. 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 I've been saying it. Hama. 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 I don't like any of these. Like, and it doesn't sound like a name. It sounds like a word. <laughs> it you sounds know? like what you have on your uh, sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Yes, one hummus sandwich, please. <laughs> Anyways, they meet the door warden who says they must leave their weapons with him. None of them really want to, but Aragorn is kind of rude about it and says something like, it is not clear to me that the will of Theoden, son of Thingol even though he be lord of the mark, should prevail of the will of Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Elendil's heir of Gondor. And like, fuck you, Aragorn. What a dick move. Yeah, like, like come on. Two days ago, you were just happy to not have to make any decisions anymore. He just, like, yeah. Gandalf showed up and he was like, yes, please take all of this responsibility and leadership away from me. I will follow your lead. And then Gandalf- but The moment it's inconvenient. Yeah. He breaks out his name. Like, no, look at my bloodline. You can't order me around. Sit down, Aragorn. So that's hilarious. And then he, like, continues to have a bit of, a bit of a hissy fit about it because he doesn't want to give up Anduril because it's super special, which I'll grant you, it's pretty special. <laughs> Just but so is everyone else's. Like, come yeah. on. I mean... His, I mean, it's a little extra special. Like, his if sword, you had his, to pick one special sword, it might be the most. I do love that his sword, and presumably Gandalf's sword, and presumably Legolas's bow that he got from Galadriel, are older than the entire culture of Rohan. Like, older than the country, and like significantly older. Yeah. That's kind of hilarious, actually. So Aragorn's having his hissy fit and Gimli is ready to jump in on this. Like he is got his hand on his axe. He's like, yes. But Gandalf <laughs> convinces them to just hand it over. Uh, and he says something like, we are all friends here or should be for the laughter of Mordor will be our only reward if we fail. So I guess Gandalf is super smart and wise and they should just listen to him. Whatever. So <laughs> yeah, less fun. Uh, eventually, everyone passes over their weapons with some stern warnings from Aragorn to not touch his sword. And then like, Gimli says something like, I guess if it's got Anduril for company, my axe can stay too. <laughs> <laughs> At least he has friends. Yeah. 
The door wardens then ask for Gandalf's staff, but he refuses and says that if he cannot lean on it, he will sit out here and wait for Theoden to hobble out to him. So. This would have been a very different scene. Hey folks, editing Caitlin here. I'm just jumping in because something happened with Rachel's recording here where it just went blank for a minute or so. Uh, but I want it, but she's the one who brought up that it is hilarious that Gandalf was willing to, you know, make sure everybody else gave up their weapons, but was unwilling to give up his own staff. And I just wanted to make sure that we got that discussion in because it would have been very annoying if it wasn't here. Uh, as a listener, I would have found that annoying. So we're just going to jump ahead sort of into the middle of that discussion because we're missing the beginning of it. Also, Rachel, get your shit together. Yeah, he says something like, we all have something. Yeah, something like that. I can't find it. I don't know where I am. I can't wait to be able to play the old lady card. No, That's a lie. Curious, anyways, let's move on. doesn't matter what he actually says. <laughs> You're still uh, looking, aren't you? <laughs> no, I was getting ready for the next page number that I've written here. Uh, the guards then lift... Oh, sorry. The guards decide to let him in with the staff. And then they lift the heavy bars over the doors because apparently they had locked everyone inside. What? That more than. Just really didn't want to be interrupted. That more than anything else going on in Edoras is super fucking suspicious. They had locked the king inside his own house. I totally didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, wow. Yeah. That's Crazy. a bad, that's a bad, bad. Like, there's no reason to have the big locking bars on the outside of a building, because that's not secure in any way, other no. than you keeping people in. Typically, I do have a sudden lock everyone out. I have a sudden suspicion that Tolkien just wanted a really epic, like, door being raised, and he didn't think about the logistics of how that would actually work. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yes, they lift this epic door giant bar and yeah no one had the heart to tell him well <laughs> i would agree with you other than later when theoden does walk outside it's like almost that more than anything gandalf does that helps him come back to himself or as much as whatever gandalf does but that's, that's fair yeah on their way into the hall the group admires the architecture and the art literally I mean, why for not? like almost an entire page in my book yeah, yeah you're in this cool ass building let's pause I mean, there are runes carved on the floor and it looks yeah. super awesome and at the end of all that there's a like a carving of a man and um aragorn says behold Errol the young thus he rode out of the north to the battle of the field of Celebrant. and now for a short history lesson Errol the young was the first king of rohan and he was the before being the king of rohan he was the leader of the eothead I have no idea if I'm saying any of these things correctly. And he basically came to the help of Gondor in a battle on the... Uh, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, a battle on the... I don't know how to say this. Kalinarden? Sure. Kalinarden, uh, province of Gondor. Um, they won the battle, and then the current king of... Uh, nope, steward of Gondor at the time basically gave him Kalinarden as... Thank you for coming, and that is what became uh, Rohan. So it was like a present, huh. and he became the <laughs> king of Rohan. How very English! Yes, and the Kalinarden previously meant Green Province or the Great Green Region, and that became, or at least that's what it means. Oh yeah, in Sindarin, yeah, 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 Green Province. Sorry. Sometimes when reading this, I don't know if I'm reading like the Old English real world translation of things or if i'm reading sindar and blah, blah 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 anyway so the green province and that's what became rohan and why rohan is so young compared to the other countries and peoples and stuff going on fascinating yes errol was also the first person to tame one of the maras because it killed his father and then he was like nope you're mine now and then they <laughs> became friends it's a weird relationship. Yeah. All right, then. All right. So they reach the king sitting on the throne, and I'm going to read what he looks like. Because <laughs> that's how I write my notes. 
Upon Why it not? sat a man so bent with age that he seemed almost a dwarf, but his white hair was long and thick and fell in great braids from beneath a tiny golden circlet set upon his brow. In the center upon his forehead shone a single white diamond. His beard was laid like snow upon his knees, but his eyes still burned with a bright light, glinting as he gazed at the strangers. Behind his chair stood a woman clad in white. At his feet upon the steps sat a wizened figure of a man with a pale wise face and heavy lidded eyes. Now when I was reading this earlier and I read the line, a woman clad in white, I had like excited sirens going off in my head because it's Eowyn and I love her. And then they treat her like crap. Anyway. Well, that doesn't make her any less awesome. So nobody says anything for a minute. They just like stand there in silence, staring, which must be super awkward. But then Gandalf speaks and says that he has returned as all friends should gather together lest each be singly destroyed. And also that he's brought back shadow facts and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the excuses. Theoden stands up, leaning on a black cane with a handle of white bone, and welcomes Gandalf to Edoras, by which I mean tells him he was glad to hear of his alleged death and is disappointed that it appears to be untrue. That's how I want to be greeted all the time. <laughs> I rejoiced at the return of the horse, but still more at the lack of the rider. And when Aomer <laughs> brought the tidings that you had gone at last to your long home, I did not mourn. But news from afar is seldom sooth. Here you come again, and with you come evils worse than before, as might be expected. <laughs> That's, I mean, terrible, but hilarious. Uh, the dude sitting on the steps of the dais, dais? 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 Yeah. Then stands dais. up and says that Theodred, the son of the king, died five days before, and that they cannot trust Aramur, and here's Gandalf with more bad news. So I guess things are just going poorly in Rohan overall. And he he literally names Gandalf ill news and says ill news is an ill guest. He probably like that and practiced it in the mirror for the past, you know. Definitely. Eternia. It's a good line, though. It is. Uh, I mean, the parallel. Wormtongue and Gandalf throw thinly veiled insults back and forth at each other. Wormtongue also manages to insult Galadriel. And Gimli has to be held back. Uh, Gandalf then sings about Lorien and Galadriel uh, before flinging off his tattered cloak and then hits Wormtongue with some lightning. <laughs> Is how I interpreted yep. this. It was nope. so good. I thought that was that was it too. And why didn't they do this in the movie? Who knows? Probably because it would look super cheap. I guess. Um, so here it is. The wise speak only of what they know, Grima son of Galmod, 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 blah, 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 whatever. A witless worm have you become. Therefore, be silent and keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a serving man till the lightning falls. He raised his staff. There was a roll of thunder. The sunlight was blotted out from the eastern windows. The whole hall became suddenly dark as night. The fire faded to sullen embers. Only Gandalf could be seen, standing white and tall before the blackened hearth. In the gloom, they heard the hiss of Wormtongue's voice. Blah, blah, blah. There was a flash as if... There was a flash as if lightning had cloven the roof. Then all was silent. Wormtongue sprawled on his face. I love it. <laughs> it just really sets the tone. I like that they Some just... feeling of victory. <laughs> insult each other for a bit, and then Gandalf was like, fuck this, lightning. <laughs> wasting my time yep uh gandalf then convinces theoden to listen to him and to walk outside with him theoden stands and the woman in white rushes forward to help him the doors are opened for him and gandalf sends theoden's guards away a bit and tells the lady to leave them which causes theoden to name her eowyn sister daughter because i guess niece is just too common for tolkien yep S sister daughter sounds fucking ridiculous i'm sorry it really does does it? I, I don't know why, but every time I say it, it sounds more incestuous somehow. Yeah, it does. The niece does. Okay, I mean, I guess the whole point is you are clarifying niece on like my sister's side and not something else. Because if you're worrying about bloodlines and whatnot and whether you come from the blood female or male, which is dumb as shit, but I guess that's fair. But also, I do feel like. 
you're the royal family people probably already know, like the people of your house. I don't know, man. I also feel like there's a lot of like this family history that isn't talked about in this book, but is in the appendices or in somewhere else. So like, why have to specify Mm -hmm. that, that particular thing? Because he thought it sounded cooler. Because it sounds fancier. (laughs) I guess. Also, because like it's Tolkien, why use one word when you could use two? That's a fair point. So true. Uh, So, as Erwin is turning to walk away, she and Aragorn make like intense eyes at each other, which I really didn't like this bit because it's just so problematic, both from a storytelling perspective and like she doesn't even get a line of dialogue, but is immediately a love interest with more going on than Aragorn's actually love, actual love interest. And it's just a very strange choice. Like, and also a thing that I wondered, is this like the first human woman Aragorn has ever met? Like other it than his be, mom? But yeah, or I mean, at least like they're acting like it. The first one who is like an equal, quote unquote. Oh, that says some things about Aragorn I don't yeah. like, but... Well, yes, I mean, he's, like, likely. been to what they talk about, how he, like, rode with Amor's father and stuff. Like, he's been oh, among okay, you're right, you're human right, right. rulers before. I mean, there's definitely some woman there somewhere, I think. There must have been, if my uh, understanding of reproductive biology is accurate. But anyway, yeah, it's a moment of significance when two people see each other in a movie that you know is a romance about them. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's a book, and we're halfway through, and we literally already have a romance, and it's just weird. Yeah, it's, thus Aragorn, for the first time, in the full light of day, beheld Eowyn, Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that is not yet come to womanhood. Super gross. I hate it. I hate it. I missed that part. And she now was suddenly aware of him, tall heir of kings, wise with many winters, gray-cloaked, hiding a power that yet she felt. For a moment, still a stone she stood, then turning swiftly, she was gone. But, like, why? Like, this is more in this paragraph that these two have together than we get in the entire series, appendices aside, between Aragorn and Arwen. I can't help you. It's just such a strange choice. I just hate so much how she has to be described like... Fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that has not yet come to womanhood. That's not attractive. It's just like... That's called being a child. You are calling her a literal child, and that is not attractive. Uh, Especially because, like, the only thing that differentiates her from Arwen is that, like, being human means that she's, like, changeable. And so to just describe her as a child, as opposed to, you know, the elf who looks the same for forever... It's just super duper weird. It just, I mean, and Aragorn is already so old. I'm sorry. Because, I just you know, to, he's a Dunedain. And I'm this is, here. It's just grosser. So I'm just trying to figure out Eowyn's exact age. And so I Googled what year does Lord of the Rings take place in looking for like the third age year. And the first thing that came <laughs> up was 1949. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um. Hang on. That's Hang incorrect. On. Ages of characters in Lord of the Rings. 24. Okay, so she's young, but she's not young. She's not too young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, certainly not. I mean, okay, if you want to compare her to Arwen, who is 2,778, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. 24 the- is not young, especially in, like, Marian years. Especially in, like... <laughs> You gotta marrying get her breeding. Years. <laughs> marrying years of the Middle Ages. I can't. What? When is this fantasy supposed to take place? Like, look, I just told you, 1949 <laughs> <laughs> or 2000. Uh, or sorry, she was born in 2995. But you know, so 3019. Um, it's like the future sci-fi. Like, not in the way that we say years. Like, it's not 30, <laughs> 30, 19, or whatever you just said. I mean, I don't know how to deal with years like this because I am not living in them yet. I plan on not dying. Right, of course. Me too. Anyways, from a, com- f- as we said, from like a story perspective, I also just think this doesn't make sense because I, the first time I read these books, I was immediately like, okay, 
Eowyn's the best, and obviously she and Aragorn are ending up together. Because, like, that's what this sets up. That's, yeah. It is. Maybe he did that on purpose to be tricksy, but it just seems like... I mean, maybe he thought people wouldn't care about Eowyn if not for the... Maybe? ex machina of this thing, like, but... Honestly, don't, probably. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Arwen also. I think she's really great, and I'm happy for them. But I like Eowyn much more, and I think she's a more interesting character. Yeah. I want to know, like, the Arwen that lies somewhere in between what we got in the movie and what exists in the book. I mean, we'll get to the appendices eventually. But, and then we'll get their story. Yeah. I still don't think, well, this is probably more, I mean, this is probably more of a reflection on Tolkien than Arwen, which is a weird thing to say since Arwen's fictional. But... Like, I still don't think she does much. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, I like the version in the movie that is the one who rescues Frodo. And, yeah, you know, she's not the full on, you know, <gasps> I hate this term, but strong female character warrior girl. But she's at least a little more than cool elf girl. Yeah. But I mean, all these comparisons are made between Arwen and uh, Luthien. And Luthien was badass. Like. She grounded Sauron, you know? She, like, took his power from him just by telling him it was hers. She, you know, made friends with a a Maya wolf dog thing and, you know, to get and sung Morgoth to sleep or whatever. And he stole a Silmaril (laughs) from Morgoth with the help of her. I mean, with the, she did most of the work. So Baron was there, too. (laughs) Lost his hand. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Melian was cool. No, sorry, that's Luthien's mom. Luthien was super, like, she did stuff. She went out and, and and Arwen is always compared to her, except Arwen just sort of has dark hair. Yeah, uh, just give us her adventures. Yeah, exactly. I want to know more. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> I have that song stuck in my head now. What song? what song? I want to know. Can you show me? Sorry. Nope. Nope. We're done. Plus side, we have an actual female Tarzan. character again. So Tarzan? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. So Yay. The fresh, the fresh air and seeing his people slash kingdom seems to do in a world of good. And Gandalf tells him to throw away his prop. Uh Theoden drops the cane and seems to stand all the taller for it. Uh Theoden says he wishes Gandalf had come earlier, as he can't see what is to be done now other than wait for the Golden Hall to be burned down. Very cheery. And here is my first sort of thought here. What does he think is going to happen? Who has told him what's going on? Like, is is there an army? Like, I know Gandalf knows that Saruman is doing something, but I feel like we haven't actually learned that there's a big-ass army of Urukai yet. Y- you know, like, what, what right. is happening? How does Theoden know that everything's about to be burned down? Right, does I mean, does he just think it's Mordor or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Don't what know. what was the story that was being spun to him? Well, I don't want to keep comparing, but in the movie they very clearly have like <laughs> those kids show up and his son is dead and they mourn him and all these things. And here like they kinda mentioned that his son was dead, but We're past that right. already. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Gandalf says there's much to be done and asks Theoden to call for Amr, who had apparently been arrested for threatening Wormtongue's life. Gandalf makes a great comment here about how one can still be loyal and love their king while question his counselors, which seems to be totally brushed off. Hama, Hama, Huma, Hama, he gets demoted to... Is it weird that he's now my favorite character? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gets demoted to errand boy for letting Gandalf in with his staff. I actually really liked this bit because it was like, yeah, it turned out well, but he still disobeyed orders. So let's get him to do something stupid. Yeah, it's like the perfect punishment. Yeah. And Hama, Huma, whatever, turns it all around because what he gets, Aemir, he also like gives him his sword and is like, still disobeying orders, bitches. Anyways, back in the Golden Hall, Gandalf lays out how dire the situation has become in Rohan, 
and retelling the story and their plan for the ring brings hope back into Theoden's eyes. Does he retell the whole thing? We don't he really does, know that. Sort of. And well, it sounds like he does because he leans close to Theoden and whispers in his ear. He whispers in his ear and then like, I don't think he tells him anything about the ring because later on he says, you know, that there's another task with our companions that I can't talk about. Yeah, I think it's everything but. He does say, yet hope there is still, if we can, but stand unconquered for a little while. But I guess maybe that's the bit where Gandalf tells Theoden what's happening and that they have to ride out. But it's not communicated to the reader because he's like whispering to him and we just get told from afar. And so I, found I really that- thought the whispers were about the ring because Gandalf says no. yeah, we have a hope at which he has not guessed. And quickly now Gandalf spoke. His voice was low and secret. And none save the king heard what he said. 100%. I thought so too until I read. They looked out towards the east. Until I read later in the chapter where he says something like, there's more that I can't tell you. And he's obviously referring to Frodo. Well, now I'm confused. Yeah, I thought it was just like, uh, well, here's this secret thing I can't tell you. Wink, wink. I, you know, it's this great power, but uh, I can't give you any details. <laughs> Or maybe it was just a really funny joke. <laughs> hey, you're all about to die, but here's a joke. And hope returned to his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, where is yeah. it? Yeah, oh, here it is. All right. Not indeed that prize which Saruman desires above all else, but at the least. I just, then mm-hmm. now we're going to get to the next page, which features my boy. Okay, Hannah. yeah. <laughs> so what it, so it was, so yeah, if Aomer had not defied Wormtongue's voice speaking with your mouth, those orcs would have reached Isengard by now bearing a great prize. Not indeed that prize which Saruman desires above all else, but at the least two members of my company, sharers of a secret hope of which even to you, Lord, I cannot yet speak openly. Yeah, that. Okay. So w- I was with you on, on Gandalf, thinking Gandalf had told him about the ring there uh, and their plans for with Frodo and Mordor and such. But then later on he said that and I was like, oh, so Maybe I guess he just... Else. I guess he just said, hey, yo, we can we still beat him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to trust me on this. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba. Gandalf asks for Theoden's sword to be brought out, but Amor gets there first and offers his sword, which has always been at his service. I really liked that bit. That was good. I both liked this bit and also I'm like, I want justice for Hama. The boy is not an idiot. He made a perfectly logical assumption and he gets yelled at. Except apparently, Hama Hema Humaha screwed up again because he wasn't wasn't supposed to give Amor back his sword. And I think we can all agree that Theoden sucks at giving clear directions. That was actually good because they all kind of look at Hama and then Hama's like, You said to free him. He asked for his sword. I thought he was free. (laughs) Gave him his sword. Like, he's a marshal. Like, you freed him. He commands an army. He wanted a sword. That's not, like, an unreasonable thing to ask for. I love that Hama Hama Humaha just keeps screwing up, no matter what he does. <laughs> Poor boy. Uh, I hope he lives. Uh, Amor... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amor kneels at Theoden's feet and proffers, interesting word choice, the sword. And when That's Theoden... what it is. <laughs> When Theoden takes it from the sheath, he yells out the call to arms and startles the guards in the Golden Hall. Everyone swears their allegiance, and it's very touching. Uh, It was. It also felt kind of like a locker room. (laughs) Yeah, go win the game, do the thing. Right? Wasn't that what it felt like? It was like that, but with horses. (laughs) The... uh, unofficial audiobook that I listened to they definitely had the like epic Rohan theme playing during this bit and really good like sword drawing sound effects and like crowd yelling stuff and it was it was really good and it sounded epic well we didn't have any you know if we played them (laughs) 10 times they might win nine not this game not tonight anyways that's that's the movie (laughs) do you believe in miracles Theoden asks Gandalf for his counsel, and Gandalf is like, oh, it's to trust Amor, which you're already doing instead of Wormtongue, who is a sleaze. And also, you really need to deal with Saruman. Uh, Theoden takes that advice and has his people make ready and to prepare for the mountain refuges. Refuges? Refuges. Wow. 
Whatever. That sentence could have been better. <laughs> Send the refugees to the refuges. So, okay, wait. From what I one. recall, their plan is they're sending the non-warriors to Dunharrow and everyone else is just riding out. Is that it was that was my interpretation, yes? That's what I got too. To the hold of Dunharrow in the hills. Okay. But yeah, so but, it's like the the fighting people are riding out and then the rest are going to hunker down at Dunharrow. I just want to be clear because I've got it all messed up in my head with the movie where everybody goes to Helm's Deep, which is untrue. But like they leave them, they leave Eowyn in charge behind, but she's going to pack everyone up and move them to Dunharrow. Yeah, no, Dunharrow is the the first of the mountain castles, mountain forts um, that's secreted away. So right, that's where they okay. go first. And then the rest of them are all riding out to we don't know where. Yeah, find evil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> find evil Have and sword, make it will pay. travel. <laughs> All right. So he also offers Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, and Gandalf a guest hall to sleep in, but then they tell him, no, everyone needs to leave today. Again, I don't know where this urgency is coming from. As far as we're aware, they don't know what's happening or where they're going or whatever. <laughs> it was a very important whisper. Maybe they too got the memo that it's going to burn yeah, down. I, d- I don't know. Hama Hema Humaha shows up with Grima and Theoden's sword. <sighs> Fuck this. Harugrim? <laughs> Harugrim. It sounds too much like what I've been calling Hama. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hama is the one who offers Harugrim, so that's perfect. Yeah. Harugrim. He's now the sword boy. <laughs> Which Shama found in Grima's chest, along with other stolen items. Theoden tells Grima that he's going to ride to war at his side as a test of his faith, and Grima fails this fairly obvious trap by asking instead to be appointed the steward to run the kingdom in his stead. Which, I mean, at least he's got some balls, you know? Can you imagine Do you think being- he was going to get away with it? Yeah, I'm just... This is the most obvious... I can't imagine of loyalty anyone could construct. I don't. But like you were just struck by lightning. (laughs) Obviously, like you can physically see the difference in Theoden. So obviously whatever Grima was doing to him is failing. And but he's still like, maybe you should just appoint me steward and I will run your kingdom for you. And then literally everyone is like, no, (laughs) hang on. You're a traitor. You've been taking orders from someone else. Uh, Gandalf is furious that Grima is wasting his time and asks how long has it been since Saruman bought him and also tells Aramor who's been creeping on his sister. <laughs> Gandalf tells Theoden that Grima is a snake he can't take with him into battle, nor is he safe to leave behind, and he suggests killing him now, which would be justice. I really love how Grima's fate went from please make me steward to let's just kill him. <laughs> he should just be dead. Yeah. I really enjoyed that Gandalf put um, betraying the kingdom of Rohan and staring at your sister at the same level of, like, terribleness. <laughs> Presumably only because it's Wormtongue. Like, if anybody else, it would have been fine. But this dude's a creepy sleazeball. Yeah, I just think it's like, those are two very different circumstances happening here. But no, we should kill him for both of them. Uh, Theoden presents him a choice again to ride into battle with him or to flee and yeah. and what? No. <laughs> and yeah. Theoden meets what and oh and if okay. Read it again. I, I couldn't work that out for the Listen, life of me. Grammar's hard. No that's fair and if Theoden uh, meets him again he won't be merciful. Grima spat at the king's feet and ran away. Theoden sends someone after him to make sure he doesn't harm anyone and also to give him a horse, which I don't what? know why they would give him a horse again. Right? Just let him walk to Orthanc. He was, he was honestly nice. like, follow him just in case he needs a horse. I literally went, excuse me? You're going to give him a horse? You're about to ride to war. You need all of your horses. You're literally letting a horse ride off to the enemy? I mean, Send I the horse it- to trample him. Yeah, Theoden, what are Theoden, you doing? It shows that he's noble. Is he though? Is this how you spell Theoden? The more I look at it, the more wrong it looks. I have no idea. I mean, idea there's though. an accent there, but yes. Oh, maybe that's why it looks wrong. Well, it is. There's also an accent in Hamama. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> I just left them all out. 
It's not that it's just it's written here so much that I think it's just become wrong looking in my head. You know what's written here too much? Him. He. (laughs) I really should have just used names. That's not any better. Everyone's a man. Everyone's a man in this chapter, except Eowyn, who doesn't speak. So uh Uh, she's got like She's got one line. Two lines. She's got two lines, I think. Anyway, the whole point line? of this is we need One's not other in genders involved so that our pronouns don't get repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone goes to sit down and eat, and Theoden questions Gandalf about the might of Saruman and how long he has been a traitor. Gandalf doesn't know, but he does know that Grima has been working for Saruman for a long time, and he worked slowly to turn Theoden's will into his keeping. Theoden admits he owes much to Amor and Gandalf for coming in time. Uh, Gandalf is basically like, you do owe me. Give me your horse, which I already stole from you, but now I want as a gift. <laughs> that bit was really good. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, I'll give you a boon. And Gandalf was like, shadow facts? And Thayden was like, yeah, fine. Just take him. You mean this horse that I haven't had for years because you already stole him? And then he tells like Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn that they can have whatever armor they want. Presumably not from like somebody else's back. But yeah, uh, suitably armored, Eowyn comes forward bearing a cup of wine in a sort of farewell ritual. Uh, yeah, she speaks in some old English. She says, uh, first to Theoden, she says, West to Theoden, hell. And later, or Eomer says that to Theoden at one point. And then later, Eowyn says, Firthu Theoden, hell. And I looked up the translations, by which I mean I found a bunch of people arguing over it because it's like Anglo Saxon. And one of them, it looks like, probably means be thee well, Theoden, and one means fare thee well, Theoden. So it's like, hey, and then bye. (laughs) When Aragorn's hands meet Eowyn's over the glass, it says he feels her tremble, uh, which is weird because they haven't even exchanged words. They have just looked at each other, which actually, I suppose, is pretty par for the course with Tolkien's romances. Because, I mean, Melian and Thingol didn't exchange words for years. They just stared at each other. <laughs> After everyone has drunk, they head out, and Theoden's, Theoden names Aemer his heir and asks who among his house would stay to be his steward, and no one volunteers. They pass the loyalty chest. <laughs> just saying. Nice. Chest. Test. Yep. Yep. Hama Humaha says that people put their... <laughs> 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 In the house of Aeorl, and when Thaden says that Aemor can't be spared, it's Humaha who points out Thaden has a perfectly capable niece standing right there. <laughs> he Literally really is the best. Right there. He's so good. Just, he's got a head on his shoulders and common sense, and he thinks things through and takes initiative. Humaha for president 2020. I'm <laughs> just saying. You mean Humaha? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not mean that. Um, I'm a who? Anyways, Eowyn, Eowyn <laughs> becomes lord to the Aerlingas, except she's also super obviously pining for Aragorn. Again, they still haven't exchanged words, but whatever. So the epicness of the moment is lost. Uh, as they set off, Gimli points out that men need a lot of talking before they actually get around to doing anything. And as everyone's mounting up, Amor and Gimli put aside their tiff over Galadriel, and Gimli gets on the horse with Amor. But he does specify that uh, Legolas has to ride beside them for him to ride with Amor. I just want to make sure everyone knows. Yes. Still the so B- close. The BFs are still together. Uh, and that can stand for whatever you want it to stand for. Gandalf <laughs> calls for Shadowfax, and it becomes obvious to everyone that Shadowfax already obeyed Gandalf and didn't need to be given away by Theoden at all. And then they depart, but we still don't know where they're going. Neither do they, so it's fine. (laughs) They have a full-ass army riding out of Edoras. Very epic. Where are they going? Why are they going there? To find evil. I don't know. Maybe I missed the bit where they had a plan, but it doesn't... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know either. This was a pretty great chapter. I liked it a lot. I did. I did really like it also. I love the lightning going for it. Yeah, political maneuvers and exorcism. I love I, I love Eowyn, so I'm glad we met her. I didn't realize while I was reading it that I would love Hamahamaha quite so much, but now I do. So yep. 
So there's one thing I wanted to talk about that I think was just really interesting looking at how it continues through a lot of other fantasy, especially into like the 80s. And yes, I'm putting Eddings on blast for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this line right by the end where Gimli's talking about how he doesn't like riding horses. And he says, and a dwarf is no horseman. It is orc necks I would hew, not shave the scalps of men. Uh. And, you know, it starts off all nice and epic, like, I want to go hunt some orc, but then it's just this classic trope where the horse people are the really awful, like, Native American stereotypes and always have to be scalpers. Um, And really, it's just something that's super duper not good and definitely not something that needed to be here, let alone continue throughout fantasy to come why would you want an orc scalp there are other ways to characterize people who ride horses and it doesn't need to involve this cultural appropriation slash just awful perpetual stereotype racism and yeah it's it doesn't matter if you you know are scalping orcs versus scalping other men it's just bad Okay, this is all very serious and definitely something that should be discussed. But it also reminded me that there was something in one of, in the previous chapter, or yeah, the previous chapter, um, that I thought was like a movieism, but wasn't. And it's that when they ride up on the the piles of burning orcs, there's like an orc head stuck on a spear, just like sitting there. And I really thought that was like you know. B horror movie director Peter Jackson putting a disgusting head on a pike. But no, it was in the book too. And I was like, oh, all right then. Tolkien loves his gore and his cheesy romance. Well, they're both written with the same finesse. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, and ju- along with the seriousness here, uh, the only line spoken by a female, possibly in this whole book. Uh, speak not so, she answered. A year shall I endure for every day that passes until your return. She says That's it to Theoden, but as she spoke, her eyes went to Aragorn, who stood nearby. Why? Dun, dun, dun. No. Spoke another word that was just like farewell in Old English. Yeah. That, okay. Sorry, I meant a line that we could understand without having to read a form of men arguing about Anglo-Saxon. Yeah. I mean, the the whole point is it's just, yeah. I actually think we see her again in this book. So there would probably be another line by women, by her. Anyway, please give us more female characters in your fantasy and also less racism. Cool. Thanks. That's all. Bye. Well, we're going to sign off first. But that is the end. Do we have anything else to say? I don't... It's nice to have more new characters. I know. It's... And I feel like we're finally into the part of the two towers that I associate with the two towers. I don't know what these other five chapters were. I'm kidding. We're going on an adventure. We had to meet Treebeard and see what would happen with with our that hobbit was friends. So long ago. It feels it was literally long, twenty pages. It feels long ago because we took a week off. There is that. Yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. Nah. So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to support us in a monetary fashion, homework for next. Oh, you are correct. Homework for next week is the Two Towers, Book Three, Chapter Seven, Helm's Deep. At the beginning of that, I sounded like I had it all together, didn't I? You really did. Nope. You almost fooled us. Thank you. That's a great compliment. So, if you wish to support us in a monetary uh, manner and help us toward our goal of donating money to charities every month you can at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien if you wish to support the show in a non-monetary way we uh, appreciate any reviews and ratings on the iTunes or liking us on the Spotify that type of thing uh, otherwise you can always contact us on Twitter at to read Tolkien or email us at want to read Tolkien at gmail.com and I believe that is everything right Great. We'll see yeah. you next week for some Helm's Deep action, and hopefully this army will figure out where it's going. Presumably. Hint. Possibly Helm's Deep. Possibly Helm's Deep. And that's it. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I've been Emmy. And we'll see you all next week. Bye!
editing Caitlin one more time, jumping in. So much of me today. Sorry about that. But I thought I would include a short little preview of the discussion that I had with Matthew from Eloquent Gushing here at the end, just so you could take a listen and see if it would be something that you are interested in. Uh, and once again, thank you so much to Matthew for joining me for that very fun conversation. Um, I can remember going to see The Hobbit on stage. Um, actually done as, I think, like a Christmas production. Oh, that would have been amazing. Somewhere in, yeah, somewhere in London, maybe one of the South London towns. I'm not sure. My parents aren't sure. I can remember seeing it and I can remember them having orcs and dwarves wandering around with giant bowls of sweets at halftime. Oh my gosh. <laughs> at the interval. So, you know, as a kid, that was quite exciting. Mm-hmm. I can remember my granddad owned the Tolkien Bestery, which is this amazing book of artwork of a lot lot of landscapes and the people but particularly the beasts and creatures of middle earth oh as somebody who plays dnd i kind of want to read that that'd be so cool yeah it's it i remember it being remarkable and having these great images through and me wanting to look at particularly obviously smaug Mm -hmm. because dragons yes of course um maybe the balrog although i can't remember wanting to look at the balrog but Gollum and Gollum was in there Mm -hmm. and i remember being really scared by this picture of Gollum. And as is my way, when somebody scares me, I want to look at it. I want to understand what is making me scared about it. Interesting. 